the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. We have been doing uh, these last Thursdays uh, with Sam Stone. He was a candidate for city council in uh, Phoenix's uh, uh, District 6. The election uh, concluded Tuesday, and uh, Sam did concede he did not make it through the Death Star and had no hesitation in pulling up his socks, tying his shoes, and saying we're still on for Thursday, right? And you bet we are. Sam, welcome back to the show. Thanks for being with us. I'm sorry about the loss but uh, anything you want to say, I got to tell you, you left um, you, you left it all in the field. You you ran a, a race you should be proud of. Uh, Phoenix is a different city than the one we knew, and it's probably going to get yet a little bit more different. It, it probably is that, but I certainly have no regrets. And I want to start by saying thank you to so many of your listeners who uh, came out and volunteered and contributed and, and helped the campaign. Uh, we had a volunteer effort that, frankly, in the 16 years that I've been in politics, uh, exceeded anything I've ever seen for a campaign of this level. Uh, so really, that is just an, an enormous credit to everyone who pitched in. And I can't thank them enough. My biggest disappointment, frankly, is not being able to pull this off for all of them and, and for the people of this city. But you know, we live to fight another day, and that's what we're here for. Yeah, you, uh, you, you, there's nothing differently you could have done. I saw how hard you worked. I've known you many years. I've never seen you uh, work so hard or more tired when you were able to come in. And um, we'll get through it. I, I, I remember the um, – I don't know if people in the audience may remember, if you remember, Sam, there was a talk show host at night. He had a national talk show. Might even still be alive, but I don't think he's still doing radio. His name was Bruce Williamson. He used to um, he used to be the mayor of a he was once upon a time mayor of a, sa- a small town in Jersey and he went to New Jersey and he said the good feeling someone gets after winning an election doesn't come close to the n- negative feeling someone gets when they lose an election he had lost an election but knowing you it's hard to keep you down and you you embrace the Teddy Roosevelt line that it's not the critic who counts nor the man who points how the strong man stumbles you're in the arena. And uh, it might be too early to ask, but I have to ask anyway. What's next for Sam Stone? You know, I'm not exactly making those plans just yet. I, as, as I'm calling in today, if folks hear the, the difference in the quality of the audio, uh, I literally slept off and on all day yesterday. <laughs> you deserve it. <laughs> um, and uh, I, I went out to meet a friend for lunch today, and literally by the end of an hour at lunch, I was ready to go back to bed. <laughs> yeah, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I, I'm going to wait until the total exhaustion passes, hopefully Good. by today or tomorrow. Good. Good. Um, but, you know, obviously we have the radio thing still going on. Yeah, let me announce uh, that for people. And, yeah, yeah, every Saturday at 3 p.m. he is the co-host of Breaking Battlegrounds right here on the station. It's a great show, great guests, great honest conservative talk. Sorry, go ahead, sir. Oh, and, and obviously we're going to continue to grow that, and we're really looking forward to it. Um, and I'm sure there will be plenty of other opportunities out there. But, you know, at the end of the day, I, I know one thing for sure. It's like you said, I'm not out of this fight. No. I'm not giving up or going okay. anywhere. Good. 
we have a country, a city, a state to, to fight for, and I don't, I don't believe in giving up. It's no, you don't. No, you don't. And you've done a lot of different things, and I'm looking forward to your future and whatever it is. Uh, know that I'll be uh, right there with you, helping you out, whatever you want. We do have a state to save. We do have a city to save. Let's talk about our state a little bit. Um, uh, if we're going to save this state, it's going to come from the conservative movement. And the only real vehicle for the conservative movement right now is the Republican Party. I was talking with a professor of mine yesterday, Charles Kessler, over at the Claremont Review of Books. People talk about how divided this country is. And it dawned on me in that conversation, more perhaps politically divided than any time in your and my lifetime, Sam. Turns out the Republican Party is, too. And... If we're going to prevent a house divided from falling, we better get our own house in order. And it's, you know, not comfortable to talk about completely, but we really better start thinking and talking about how we unite our own movement and our own party. And I wonder if you have any initial thoughts on that or if you think I'm wrong. I may, maybe I am wrong. Maybe our party and movement isn't as divided as I, as I say it is. No, you're 100 percent right, Seth. And I think it's the single most important conversation that we as Republicans can be having amongst ourselves right now. And a lot of it comes down to, I think, frankly, throwing away this idea that everything has to be my way or the highway. OK, um, you know, for 20 years, the base in Arizona has has ended up with general election candidates that they weren't very happy with. But they came out and voted for them and supported them anyway. I've been very disappointed this cycle to see when the base got their choices that the more, you know, establishment wing Uh or centrist wing, whatever you want to call it, didn't. They took the ball, their ball, and went home. Uh Um, Look, that's terrible etiquette on the playground, but it is suicidal on the playground of politics. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, and that's what's happening right now. And it's not going to change unless we come back together and agree on one thing, just one thing, that whoever wins the primary has a mandate to be our candidate for all of us yeah. for that cycle. And, and it's that simple. They're our candidate, whoever it is. I agree with you 100 uh, percent. This was much the tone and timber of my conversation with the audience and some guests yesterday. It seemed like in the 90s and in the 2000s when, I don't know, perhaps more establishment candidates were on the rise or were winning more, they would say about the quote-unquote base, where else are they going to go? And oftentimes the base decided to answer that question with nowhere. We're we're just going to stay home. And so there was an effort to actively recruit and um, appeal to the base. Uh, as over and against the establishment, uh, the base has pulled up its socks and tied its shoes and, and given a lot of the establishment uh, a good run for its money in these primaries. And it's sad to see that uh, the opposite case isn't always uh, repaid. There isn't that reciprocity. We seem to have forgotten something really key and really important, Sam, uh, not you and me, but perhaps many in our movement, many in our party, uh, which was comfortable to for them to say when they were winning and less comfortable to say when they were losing. But it was the invocation of Ronald Reagan's notion that my 80 percent friend is not my 20 percent enemy. You let that Democrat win and you will have a 100 percent enemy. 
And we can talk about yeah. the Katie Hobbs administration. We can talk about the Joe Biden administration. We can talk about uh, this mayor, if you want. And it is an unhappy situation to be in. If people want to know why there's a house divided, hell, maybe it's the leadership of the Democrats that are giving us that division. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, look, we know that they are playing in our primaries, even to a certain extent, putting money in. Uh, that's the other division. thing. Yeah, bookmark that. Come back to that. That's that's an important point if you want to move. Yeah, I want to come back to that. But go ahead. Well, and you combine that with the blueprint, which yeah. we've talked about before, which they're really flooding cash into these these Western states where we don't have the financial resources of, let's say, Texas to fight back on our own. Um We've got to stop playing their game and letting them play us is yeah. what it comes down to. Yeah. Let's talk about that thing you were just talking about. So if you tune into CNN or MSNBC or read the mainstream uh, op-ed columns in The Washington Post and The New York Times, they will lecture us again and again and as a party as to who is the kind of candidate we need to nominate, who is, what is the kind of talk we need to uh, nominate, and then – you know, always skeptical of Democrats telling Republicans how to win, but nonetheless. And then when we get into a primary, these Democratic operatives will fund the kind of candidate they say we shouldn't have so that they will have a leg up in the primary and then be a little bit more easy to defeat in the general. It's about the most cynical thing I've seen in politics in the last four years. It is incredibly cynical and it's incredibly distorting to the process. Yeah. And and we know we had that happen here during the primaries sure. in 2022. Sure. We know we had it happen in 2020. Um, you know, look, I, I don't I, I think both sides are there specifically to have the fight in public over elections. Right. I mean, that's the purpose of the election. Yep. But when you start doing those kind of very deceptive things, uh, when you start using huge amounts of money to do it and distorting the system, it's incredibly dishonest and it is disenfranchising voters. As much as they like to talk about democracy, yeah. it's very clear they don't actually believe in it. That's they right. believe in a manipulated reality that fits their objectives and nothing else. And there's another element. I have to go to break. We'll come back on this when we come back. There's this other element, which is kind of a um, it's more than a shiny object. It's a shiny object. It's 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 a siren song, is what it is. It's 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 an allure. It's an ignis fautius of Republican organizations, primarily based in D.C., that are primarily fundraising mechanisms. I'm thinking of organizations like the Lincoln Project, uh, which um, whose donor base primarily is Democrats. Uh, and they work against the base at every – they make our base work extra hard to campaign against Republicans who are funded by Democrats. Let's let's talk a little bit about that distortion when we come back. Sam Stone is our guest. He is a former candidate for city council, hopefully a candidate for something else. But I know whatever he'll do, it won't be quiet. We'll be right back. Sam Stone is our guest. I am Seth Leapson. He is the co-host of uh, Breaking Battlegrounds, heard here every Saturday afternoon at 3 p.m. Uh, it's a great show, great guests, uh, great talk, great conversation, and he is my regular guest on Thursdays as well. Sam, you have to spend a little bit of time in D.C. or at least be uh, deeply involved in politics at the kinds of levels you have been to understand how big 
a um, money-making mechanism political fundraising and politics can be for some people. Um, I don't know if you saw the documentary on the Lincoln Project. Uh, yes. You did. I, I, yeah. I, I, I thought I, – I'm glad you did. People don't necessarily need to see it. I thought the most interesting thing about it that was maybe seven parts. Were there eight parts to it? Until I don't yeah, some, yeah, yeah. At, until the very end, and for maybe twenty-five seconds, did they get into the internal sexual abuse scandals, which were disgusting? Um, and did they get into the amounts of money and uh, nest feathering these people who were part of the Lincoln Project made with zero principles? Um, it's it's perhaps asking too much of people in politics to live by principles. But I've lived in Washington, D.C. long enough to see people with – there are people in politics with principles. You're one of them. You've worked for those people. You know – that it is a slander to say everyone in politics is sans or without principle. But these people give this kind of organization, this kind of fundraising mechanism is its own deep state and gives politics a bad name, gives cynicism a good name. I wonder if you agree. Oh, I, I agree 110 percent, Seth, 110 percent. And let me let me actually break that down into two slightly different categories of the same thing that are that are both deeply disturbing for uh, what we have in terms of our the future of this country and in terms of a functioning republic. Um, one is the Lincoln Project type thing, yeah. which look at the end of the day, and everybody who's a political consultant operative at any you know reasonably high level knows this on our side. If you want to get rich, guaranteed, get rich, go to the other side. Yep. Become a Republican for every Democrat. Yep. They will pay you a fortune yep. if you're willing to do that. Yep. And so when you see people doing that, it is 100% about their personal finances and it's a grift. Amen. It, well it, said. It's grifting. Yep. There's another grift that's yep. hitting people really hard right <laughs> I thought now you might go side. there. Yeah, I think I know where you're going. Um, this is the, whether it's in the mail or on a text message or email, the fundraising you see that says, help us, you know, secure the border, save America, stop Biden, whatever. Yep. Folks, do not give. Do not give to any of those things. Go to your can If you want to, if there's a candidate you're trying to support, go to their website. Yep. If there is an issue you're trying to support, go to the main organization yep. that deals with that issue yep. and donate directly to them on their website. Said. Do not respond to any of those things that you're getting that way, because 99% of the time, 99% of the money is going to go to the people sending it out, yep. not to the cause you think you're contributing. Exactly right. That is really well said. That is really good advice. Um, we may not like the contribution limits that go to direct candidacies, uh, to direct political candidacies, but I will assure you that they have the most oversight and they go directly into that candidate's uh, operation, political operation. Everything on the side, it goes to the people at the top of the letterhead. Yeah, and what happens, I mean, from the candidate perspective, generally the candidate will sign off or the organization will sign off on this, knowing they're getting like 5% of the Yeah, case. 5% of something is better than zero yeah. of a – yeah, exactly, of course. Right. Yeah. But but the incentivizing that is a terrible thing for us to be doing Agreed. societally. Agreed. And just stop, folks. Do not do it anymore. 
give your money to organizations that you trust. And I'll extend that outside of politics. I recently got a, a thing, a call from an organization that says, hey, we're here supporting police uh, widows and their yeah, children, right? Yeah, yeah. And the guy who calls sounds like a cop, you know, big yep. kind of bluff-sounding guy, yep. blah, blah, blah. Well, I do what I do with all those things. I called my friends at the local police union, yep. police association. You ever seen any said, bucks hey. from this group? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You ever heard of them? Yep. And the answer was, nope, never heard of them, yep. have no idea who they yep. are. Good call, Sam. Okay. So I gave, I did give 50 bucks to that association, to their survivor's fund. Right. And I know that $50 Minus the, you know, whatever 3% visa is going to take. But that money is going to them. It's going to the thing I I intended it to. So when you get those things, folks, just stop responding. Stop. And then they'll stop, you know, and and we'll all get less junk mail and spam. Uh, Well said, Sam. Well said. I have to say, you know, we have enough of that problem on our side. We really do. There is a piece up. uh, You don't see too much of this over at Arizona Central. uh, Talking about Katie Hobbs is now very much involved in this uh, fundraising uh, nest feathering as well, raising funding and sending out a lot of emails uh, asking people for anything from 10 to 250 dollars or more for every time she promises to veto something and says she's going to veto something as if it costs money for her to veto something. But this is the fundraising mechanism of government service, public service. It's pretty disgusting when you're asking people to pay. I mean, she does get a a salary, but it's pretty disgusting that you are fundraising off this kind of stuff, uh, irrespective of whether you agree with the veto or not. Help yeah. me, help, help me fight the Republican legislature so that I can continue to veto these kinds of uh, whatever fascistic kinds of legislation. Doesn't cost any money for her to put that stamp on that legislation. Well, I mean, she, she, a couple of weeks ago, she was bragging that she got her veto stamp from Janet Napolitano <laughs> and that it still had ink. So I don't know. Like, there's not. You didn't even have to buy the ink. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, that that's how un- inexpensive it is. That's how inexpensive it is. Sam, um, let me take a quick commercial break and have you weigh in a little bit on, if I can ask you, weigh in a little bit on what your thoughts are vis-a-vis the candidates uh, for Republican, uh, for the Republican Party running for president. Uh, some of them made some news this week in responding to Tucker Carlson's questions about Ukraine, but taking that on or not taking that on, the sense of where you see things with uh, Nikki Haley, Donald Trump, uh, uh, Ron DeSantis, um, Mike Pence, uh, Vivek Ramaswamy. Am I missing someone? Uh, Mike Pompeo, I guess, would have to be considered part of that group as well. I'd love for you to just still on this. if you have a great program, but there's not enough time in it to list everybody who's running for that. Seat. <laughs> I think we got the list down, but maybe we'll find out who's worth talking about when uh, we come back and, and see what you have to say about them, Sam. OK, as I go to break, let me put in a word for our friends at Y Refi. Uh, you've heard me talking about them for a while now. And if you have questions about what it's like to invest with them, they'd love for you to contact them and they'll happily put you in touch with any number of their very satisfying clients and customers in the Phoenix area who have been investing with them and doing very well. They'd like me to ask you about your IRA. If you'd like your IRA to be earning strong fixed interest rates and not be dependent on the Fed or the stock market, you can invest with Y-Refi through an IRA or other qualified funds and keep your investment, including the high fixed interest rates you earn, tax-deferred. 
your money can stay in your IRA and you don't have to pay taxes on the income you earn. Check them out at investyrefi.com. Invest, the letter Y, R-E-F-Y.com, or call them at 888-YREFI34. Sam Stone and I will be right back. Sam Stone is our guest. He made a good point on the way to the break about listing the names of people running for the candidacy of presidency of the United States. Um, used to be, Sam, everyone in the world just had a book. <laughs> now everyone in the world just seems to run for president. I don't know what the next thing is, but uh, the Republican field, uh, we'll get to the Democratic field in a moment, too. But the Republican field, um, most people think it's a Trump-DeSantis race. Uh, I don't know. Um, it may be. Things happen. Um, at one point, people thought Scott Walker would be a frontrunner. At one point, people thought Rudy Giuliani or Fred Thompson would be a frontrunner. None of them ended up winning any primaries. Uh, what's your sense of where things are right now? And what's your sense of the fault lines within the Republican Party at the national level? Well, it's interesting. I mean, clearly there is a a very big divide now between Donald Trump Donald Trump loyalists and everyone else, right? Yeah. Um, and but it's not a one line divide. It's kind of a two line divide. So you have the Donald Trump loyalists. You have people who are loyal to the idea of America first. Um, they're not necessarily all with Trump. Some are. Some are with DeSantis. And then you have the kind of the third group, whether you want to call them more centrist or establishment, whatever you whatever term you like, um, they tend to be lining up a little bit behind DeSantis, but maybe spread out among some of the other candidates mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. I think what I see in this field, and I wouldn't take any particular polling, especially national polling. You see this all the time, right? They're always national poll shows Trump and DeSantis right. neck and neck or whatever it is. OK, but that's irrelevant. Right. I mean, it's totally irrelevant. Polling state by state is the only thing that matters when you're talking about presidential races. Of course, right. Mm -hmm. So you have to break that down. The one thing I see is that I don't think Donald Trump has a lot of room to coalesce additional support. In other words, any of the candidates in it are largely getting votes on, the, on at least in part on the basis that they're not him. Mm -hmm. And so... I think he has a tougher road, and for him, the key, which his people seem to understand very well, is keeping a large field in it as long as possible. Mm -hmm. much, much like in 2016, where he was able to, with a plurality of votes in most states, win those states' primary. Mm -hmm. So that's going to have to be the thing. Ramaswamy, I, I think, actually has some very sort of interesting points, but he's also clearly a very... He's a political neophyte in so many ways, even more than Trump was, mm -hmm. quite frankly. Mm -hmm. um, Nikki Haley, I, I mean, I see her upside as VP, not president. Mm -hmm. The same can be said for a lot of others. They may really be running for cabinet positions, not necessarily the top position. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, you hit on it. Go back to what was it, 92 with Clinton. No one even thought he would, you know, That's be anywhere right. in the race. He That's was right. supposed to be done after Iowa and New Hampshire. That's right. right. Mario yeah. Cuomo was the big thing at the time before right. he never decided to run. Right. Exactly. And yeah. Then, holy smokes, we're in this thing. Clinton's found out. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, uh, so that is a really interesting. There, there's actually a fun movie about that primary color. Oh, it's a great movie. Yeah. Yeah. Highly recommend people watch. Um, you know, but. We could have someone like that. I mean, especially with Iowa and New Hampshire, you're dealing with environments that are very retail, very person to person. 
And sometimes a candidate catches fire that you don't expect. Right. Right. And Donald Trump is certainly testimony to that. The thing he has going for him, and I think if you scratch most political consultants an inch or two, well, a millimeter or two deeply, I think most of them will say, you know, as as strong as the anti-Trump sentiment may be or as good as the DeSantis um, candidacy may look, there is a resolved and resolute good chunk of the party that will not abandon Donald Trump and really does make it look like if you're going to be a betting man, he's got the bet for the Uh, primary. I mean, you know, there's nothing he can do to get rid of these supporters. He is my bet. Yeah. He is my bet. Absolutely. But bet bet being different than choice. But yeah, bet. Right. Yeah. Um, The the question really is how many people are going to be in it? How long? Yep. Yep. I I think if everyone gets out fairly early and you have most of the race run as essentially a head to head or with, you know, some fringe candidate left in the thing, whatever, um, that's a difficult road for Donald Trump. If it's four or five candidates plus, I think he comes out and wins the thing. Um, And look, let's be honest. He has a better argument to be reelected president today than he did a year ago yep. or two years ago yep. um, because of the ineptitude yep. and the foibles of the Biden administration. Yep. No, which, that's right. and, you know, and, and the perfect, perfect picture of that advantage that he has. People can have. His, uh, yeah, no, you're right. People can have polite and inept or they can have impolite and ept. <laughs> yeah. And, and look, yeah. Im- impolite and ept. Yeah. Is smart enough to go to Palestine, Ohio. Yep, exactly right. Right, exactly right. Let me let me take and the quick break. Let me let me take a quick break. We'll be right back. Sam Stone is my guest. Don't go away. Sam Stone is my guest. We were just talking about, uh, you know, if it is a Biden-Trump campaign uh, face-off again in 2024, we, uh, you, you were saying, you know, it, it doesn't take a lot of adroitness to see that, you know, you go and stand with the people of uh, Palestine, Ohio, uh, versus going uh, abroad to tour Europe, right? Right, Sam? I mean, this, this, yep. is, this is the intuition that Donald Trump has. And it's the intuition, frankly, frankly that, that, that permeates the Democratic Party. It, 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 uh, it, is, it is more and more a transnational progressive movement than it is an American uh, element, isn't it? Well, it is, although there's some interesting things going on. Yeah. In that, you know, we used to hear a lot from American progressives about pointing at Europe and going, yep. hey, that's our path forward. Yeah. Um, and then you see, for instance, news like today where French President uh, Emmanuel Macron yeah. uh, unilaterally raised the retirement age in the country. Yeah. They're rolling back a lot of yeah. the entitlements that Democrats are, are so big on implementing here. Yeah. And so there's a lot of cracks. I mean, when you look at the international progressive order, if there's one thing you can say for it for certain, it's that they are terrible at this governing thing. Uh-huh. The thing that is most interesting about that, you're right, France on that front, France on other fronts like this issue of multiculturalism and critical race theory. They, 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 they've given lectures to America that we are taking this far beyond their 
intellectuals ever thought it should go. If you look at the kinds of countries, the Scandinavian countries that the Bernie Sanders and the uh, AOCs used to point to, they're all kind of regret or backtracking on some of those policies. It's this well, funny thing about socialism. Yeah, yeah, right. Some of it, well, yeah, I mean, some of it was a fantasy in the first place. That's a fair. Yeah, point. I mean, Norway has always had a two-year course on <laughs> on uh, learning to be a Norwegian. That's right. That's you know, right. Which. Try, try that here in America yeah. and see what the left says. Yeah, no, that's a fair point. Um, but then again, also through COVID, uh, you know, um, you don't hear a lot of the Democrats and left talking about this experience of Sweden either. And if you think about the things that even just, you know, a couple few months of this Republican thin majority, thin majority Congress in D.C. has has been able to uh, give a, a multiplier factor to. A lot of the conservative complaints about the Democrats have been vindicated, and a lot of the Democratic talking points about Trump and Republicans uh, have been embarrassing to the Democrats, whether it is about all things COVID, whether it is about um, uh, the um, the, scan- the scandals underlying the, the Biden family, Biden Incorporated, whether it is about uh, the threat from China. You know, the Trump Republicans are looking better and better, and the Biden Democrats are looking worse and worse. Well, I mean, and I, I think all of that was predictable because they've been operating in in really a bubble of their own making Correct. for some time. I mean, they look at China and have this vision of, you know, 20 years ago when we had the idea that we were going to uh, liberalize China through trade. That has clearly not worked. China is a global adversary. Uh, And they're making it harder and harder not to treat them as such. Democrats can't get over their ideology on the subject. You know, you have news today that uh, a wave of stealthy China cyber attacks has hit U.S. private networks, according to Google, that they have buried malware in computers across the United States now for years without people knowing it that had total access. So, I mean, look, we... The world is intruding on the leftist worldview, and it's not being very kind to that worldview because the reality is much harsher than they like to pretend. Sam, do you see Joe Biden as running for president again? Uh, I think he is, which actually surprises me. Um, I think Jill Biden is running her her husband for president again, frankly. Um, But. You know, I I also think that their bench on a national level is just so disastrous that, you know, they're they're all looking around. It was very clear that Pete Buttigieg was was kind of being considered. Yeah, all all that stuff. And then, you know, East Palestine happens and everyone's like, okay, yep, not him, not him. Not oh, him, and it they becomes. They don't have anyone else. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, people are looking. It, you can't really speak of the California miracle. Uh, that is not to be spoken of uh, anymore. So that's gone. No. So you're left with uh, a spiritual advisor and book author named Marianne Williamson, and that there is the Democratic Party spiritual advisors. Well, and and, and there's the wannabe Dark Lord of the Sith who rules over the state of Michigan. But okay, <laughs> I forgot about Michigan. Bill Crystal, did you see Bill Crystal said that Republicans should vote for Governor Whitmer? Yeah, I, I saw that. I mean, look, can we Bill when Crystal, when when, when we can we stop about, calling right? Bill Crystal a Republican? When can that end? Oh, I, I stopped a long time yeah. ago. I just call him a grifter. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what you're talking about, he's that guy. Yeah, he sold out for money. You know? Yeah, 
I, um, yeah, I, I, it, he, he thinks that he, these people have this idea that if the Republicans are in retreat and out of power for a certain period of time, they will heal themselves. I, I, you know, the healing to him comes only if we listen to him and to listen to him is to vote for a Democrat. This this is a this is what you might call a vicious cycle that doesn't go anywhere. Well, I mean, look, folks, understand that this guy was the most vicious hardcore neocon on the planet until people stopped listening to vicious hardcore neocons and he stopped being able to make a giant profit off being that and then he became whatever the heck he is now it's entirely about money let's stop paying attention to these folks entirely if you want to get rid of them just start ignoring them so i'm gonna um i'm gonna conclude with a really good piece of not political advice, but civic advice you've given, Sam, now that you're out of politics, at least for a little while. I hope not long, by the way. hope you'll get back into it. Oh, where I'm going nowhere. I, you know, I'm taking a, a couple of days to catch up on sleep, and then I'm back in this fight. Good. And I hope uh, to be able to join you in any any fight that you want. Uh, you're, you're a good man and a good civic activist. But the civic lesson from Sam is watch where you spend your money, folks. Don't give in to grifters. There's a lot of it out there. Sam Stone. And shop local. Last yes. Time. Local. <laughs> yes, buy local. Think global, buy local. Sam, bless you, sir. We'll talk soon. Good talking to you, man. Seth, always a pleasure. Congrats on a race well run. Truly. And thank you. You betcha. I'm Seth Leaps, and I'll come back with a few closing thoughts. It just dawned on me, uh, I didn't plan this. Uh, I was quoting uh, a little bit from The Man in the Arena with Sam Stone. Tomorrow in studio, we're going to have a very special guest, and uh, don't get upset ahead of time on this. I know Teddy Roosevelt isn't always the most uh, favored person in the conservative movement, but as I was talking to some presidential historians today, uh, you look at uh, Teddy Roosevelt's uh, political career and presidency until he was an ex-president. He's a very conservative uh, model and a very very good role model for uh, citizenship. We are going to have in studio uh, an expert on t- Teddy Roosevelt, not only an expert, but a historian on Teddy Roosevelt, not only an expert and a historian, but um, his uh, probably the nation's leading imitator of Teddy Roosevelt, uh, the leading, uh, uh, what, what would you call it, uh, impersonator of Teddy Roosevelt. This this is going to be a lot of fun for you all. I promise you it is. So as we end the show, let's think about that speech Teddy Roosevelt gave in France in 1910. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points to how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming. But who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows the great enthusiasm? the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails, while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. Shame on the man of cultivated taste who permits refinement to develop into fastidiousness that unfits him for doing the rough work of a -a workaday world. Among the free peoples who govern themselves, there is but a small field of usefulness open for the men of cloistered life who shrink from contact with their fellows. 
still less room is there for those who deride or slight what is done by those who actually bear the brunt of the day, nor yet for those others who always profess that they would like to take action if only the conditions of life were not exactly what they actually are. The man who does nothing cuts the same sordid figure in the pages of history, whatever he be, a cynic or fop or voluptuary. There is little use for the being whose tepid soul knows nothing of the great and generous emotion, of the high pride, the stern belief, the lofty enthusiasm, of the men who call the storm and ride the thunder. Well, for these men, if they succeed, well also, though not so well if they fail, given only that they have nobly ventured and have put forth all their hearts and strength, it is war-worn hotspur, spent with hard fighting, he of the many errors in the valiant end, over whose memory we love to linger, not over the memory of the young lord who but for the vile guns would have been a valiant soldier. Folks, thanks uh, for spending some of your afternoon with us. If you do have questions about Teddy Roosevelt, uh, send me an email, 960thepatriot.com. Get you right to me. God bless you all. Until tomorrow, class is dismissed. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.